I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about, if you have time? I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman, a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! Interviews with fans and people. Hey guys, welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you are listening to an audio variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Charlie Sheen and Victoria Jackson's Hatology, a brand new podcast featuring two real-life best friends talking about hat sizes and nothing else. Now, today, we're going to be diving into the origins of the Mad Hatter with one of the funniest dudes around, Kyle Mooney. But first, I just want to say hey to all of you new listeners. I really appreciate you checking out the show. And if you like what you hear, please rate it and review it on iTunes. And if you extra like it, you can donate to help keep it going over at patreon.com slash podcast. Got some cool rewards like stickers and pogs and other stuff coming down the pipeline. All right. Let's dig into today's episode, Mad as a Hatter. Jervis Tetch, a lovelorn Wayne Tech employee, takes on the persona of the Mad Hatter and puts the city of Gotham under his control in an attempt to impress Alice, a co-worker he has a crush on. However, when he discovers that she's not interested, he plans to exterminate the competition and kidnap her for himself, like a true creep. Written by Paul Dini, directed by Frank Parr. Music by Shirley Walker, animation services by Ackham Production Company. Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. is Alfred. Steve Bulin is police dispatcher. David Haskell is Billy. And Roddy McDowell's the Mad Hatter slash Jervis Tetch with Kimmy Robertson as Alice and Loretta Swit as Marsha Cates. I think she's the boss. All right, let's get to that interview. Today's guest, Kyle Mooney. Guys, Kyle is truly one of the funniest dudes I know. He's a writer, actor, and comedian who you probably know best from Saturday Night Live, Good Neighbor, Sketch Comedy, or his recent film, Brigsby Bear. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, There's really nothing quite like it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, It's funny and sweet and reverent of what it's like to grow up an obsessive fan into adulthood. And Plus, it's got Mark Hamill. That's great. Anyway, we had a good time talking about the Mad Hatter and a lot of cartoon all-stars to the rescue, accidentally, coincidentally, but let's get to it. think you're going to enjoy the interview. Uh, It sounds very exciting to me, and I wanted to say thank you for having me, Justin. Hey, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. This is uh, a real treat. This is a room you've said you've never been in, too. Yeah, this is a new room for me. This is a, we just uh, joined the Feral Audio Podcast Network. Congrats. Thank you. I remember, so we, we've known each other since college, uh, and I remember- I'm going to say fall of 2004, maybe, is when we met? Yeah, that's accurate. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I feel like you had cartoon stuff hanging up in your place. I remember watching Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue with you. Oh, yeah? At one point. I was like- 
This guy is cool. He likes cartoons. <laughs> I do recall ordering it on VHS, but do you think we watched it on video or watched it on a computer? I feel like maybe we watched it on a computer. So that was probably before I got the tape. I was I was hurting for that tape because you got a poster too, right? Or maybe just a VHS. I don't think I've ever had the poster. I know. I'm I know writing the a story for you where you. No, I think I think about cartoon all stars a lot, and I also do a lot of eBay window shopping. Uh, so I know. I think the original video cassette did come with a poster. There's other pro- promo materials that are out there that one could own if one so chose. Uh, but yeah, it's a classic. So <laughs> also, yeah. A true oddity. I guess, yeah. For those of you that don't know what it is, it's like a 1990s anti-drug PSA that was co-produced by like McDonald's and the original Bush administration mm-hmm. that featured a crossover of like every popular every 90s major, show. Yeah. Like, We're talking Turtles, uh-huh. Alf, Garfield, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Slimer. Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies, of course. Yeah, I feel like Kermit's kind of like, in my mind, one of the main characters. Yeah. There's a horrifying roller coaster sequence in there that, you know, signifies general drug use. I only watched it probably within the last couple, only as my alcoholism has risen and I watched it, I was like, oh, they're right. You really do have these high highs and low lows. (laughs) I never, I never really like, uh, fully took in the message except for the fact that I shouldn't be smoking weed or something like that. You mean that ghost cloud didn't really teach you about the other stuff? Yeah, <laughs> and it's some uh, and now I'm going to sound like not a true fan, but that the voice actor of the of the cloud is somebody famous. Is he a famous voice actor or is it just like I th- general a fi- celeb persona actor? What what's your background with Batman the animated series? Did you watch it as a kid? Yeah, I did. I wasn't I I can't say that I watched it a ton. My first interaction with it was and I could be in some ways making this up, but it seems real in my head. Uh I'm from San Diego and my oldest brother was super into comics and San Diego is the place of Comic-Con. So I started going there pretty young. I want to say probably one of the first times I was there. I imagine around 91. What when did the series start? 92? Yeah. I think I remember seeing like a booth dedicated to it prior to coming out and seeing the like the initial maybe a, a cutout of the Batman uh, or something like that. And my initial reaction was I wasn't too stoked actually because it wasn't the Batman the the animated Batman or comic Batman I was used to the uh-huh. kind of like rectangular jaw. So like I was I I kind of maybe didn't get too much into it for that reason. And like now, obviously I can like appreciate that stylization. Did you like Keaton Batman? Were you into those movies or I was? Yeah. And also like, I was thinking about it today. Uh, I did there, I, you know, I frequented the blockbuster on Mir Mesa Boulevard in San Diego, California. If any, if there are any, uh, San Diego listeners. Um, and there was a, a animated VHS Batman. I would get a lot. Which I looked up today, which I guess was, it was it was branded Superpowers. Uh huh. I think it was an orange or red cover with Batman on it. And I and and I, reading about it today, I learned that it was like a compilation of five episodes from like the '60s Batman that they just the cartoon 
a cartoon from the 60s that they just in essence repackaged for this superpowers brand which like i don't know if you're aware there were superpowers toys there were it was like exactly this was all in an effort to uh to sell toys basically yeah yeah, I grew up on like Super Friends and Superpower stuff. I totally remember Super Friends as well. Yeah, yeah. This, my mom and this, was super into incidentally, it. like I think, yeah, uh, Super Friends kind of took on the Superpowers uh, brand name in the latter. Okay. To see I did. I did some minor Wikipedia research today because I was so curious about what that Batman cartoon was that I watched. So did you? You maybe popped in, watched it once or twice, but didn't see it throughout the series. In that era, I was probably watching a lot of Disney Afternoon. Uh huh. Um, and at some point, Saved by the Bell. Uh, but I would, I think, like, I think, yeah, I would pop in and out. Exactly, yeah. So, have you ever seen the episode that I asked you to watch before? In my, to my memory, no, I, ha- I ha- had not. Yeah, it's a cra- It's like a weird, obscure one, anyway. Uh, now, what makes one obscure and not obscure? I guess not that obscure. I think like fans like it because. It's an origin episode for a villain. Oh, sure. Uh, and it's written by Paul Dini, who's the guy who created Harley Quinn. Right. And he's like big in, in the animation world. But uh, I think it's obscure because it's like not a villain that the general public maybe knows about. Yeah, I, I certainly did not. Not your Joker, not your Riddler. <laughs> yeah, but it kind of shares. I, I was, they're all kind of like, what, madcap? Like, uh, like, uh, Just like costume sil- weirdos? Sinister, silly... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What was your impression watching this episode? Because Gen- I feel like it's more about the Mad Hatter than oh, anything yeah, else. Yeah, 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 yeah. It follows him a lot. As it unfolded, one of the things that struck me was Jarvis. I believe is is that his name? Yeah, Jarvis. Jarvis. Uh, I like how kind of perfect he was to who's voiced by Roddy McDowell. Yeah. Uh how perfect he was as just a regular guy to become a mad hat he looks like a mad hatter already like he's got ma- a massive like mouth and teeth and like a mad hatter nose um that was one of the fun things was just like when he takes out uh the his love interest oh alice alice yeah, it was, it was like I was just kind of impressed how she's not affected at all by the fact that he's he goes out on the town dressed like the Mad Hatter. Which I think is one of the funniest things about him is that he shows up and his costume is how he would dress for a cool date. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no there was no like transformation costume. to like a a supervillain or anything. He just He's got a big green bow. And I mean, like, and forgive me if you were going to get to this stuff later, but I loved too that, like, very conveniently, there's a storybook land with an Alice in Wonderland themed, uh, like, a mu- like theme it's park. It's in Gotham. They got it. Well, that's perfect for oh, yeah. Jervis. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I guess he moved there because he loves Alice in Wonderland. Right. This is like the number one place. And to what be. is that? And, and uh, this may be very common knowledge that I don't know, but the small card that that is held inside of the hat is that a, what is what's on there? Is it the size is of the it, hat? I think it's the a price? size card. Yeah, uh, but I'm kind is of is that in a the thing that was well. just like. Uh, left in there accidentally or on purpose like because my introduction to that wasn't the disney mad hatter right and like that alice in wonderland movie i think it's a size card just like the size of your head yeah that's what i imagined but it was it's like 
I've got to learn more about hat sizes because it's like 10 slash 6 or something like that. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's the takeaway from this episode is I ser- kids do, leave do your wanting research. to learn about hats. Yeah. Um, I also really loved how when we f- first get to see the Mad Hatter kind of in action and, and controlling uh, someone's mind, it's uh, those two kind of sketchy dudes who approach him and Alice. What I th- again, what I thought was so convenient and fun was that they just happened to be wearing bandanas. Yep. Just a nice slip of those. They were the perfect size thugs cards. to mug them that yeah. night. Although, perfect what, thug, it fit in thug his thug boss's mug, hair. Thugs to mug. Mug, mug and mug. Thugs get mugged. Thugging and mugging. Thug mug. Uh, and do you, Alice, I guess the other thing that immediate, that truly immediately hit me was, um, do you know the name of the... Kimmy Robertson from Twin Peaks. Yeah, exactly. I've like just started revisiting the first two seasons. And she's cast so per- perfectly because like that, it's, oh, it's actually very similar to her role on the show. It's really crazy. Like She's kind of like almost um, bipolar about like her relationship. You know, I feel like on Twin Peaks, she's in between fits of crying and, and being in love and she kind of gets to do the same thing here. Yeah, she's so good. She's got such like a unique weird voice. Yeah. Uh, that like immediately it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, all, it's also it's like it's just like really not they must have cast based on that. I'm sure they were like, we liked this show. Because like she like kind of in essence works reception at the police station in Twin Peaks and in, in, in essence is maybe in a similar capacity here at the labs. Yeah, they're like, we know that she's good with characters who use phones at a reception desk. Right, right, exactly. Well, let's dive into it from the beginning of the episode. So it starts with like a bunch of mice being mind controlled to give him tea. Yeah. Uh, I love the music of it too. Uh, It's like this weird whimsical kind of uh, like stringy sort of stuff going on. Um, But uh, it's also like an episode that's about this sad man. Right. Who's kind of a, like a pervert, <laughs> like Absolutely. a shitty aggressive dude. No, he's the worst. He's uh, like the guy who complains about feminism on Facebook, but then is like outed like, like two years later. Hey, let me get with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's just a video and he's like, Hey, let me get with you. Yeah. Uh, he's a bad man. I mean, I guess it's hard to feel bad for him because it, yeah, it, in moments it feels like he's going to forcefully physically penetrate her or something like that yeah i mean he says like in this world like you should take things by force (laughs) right (laughs) is something he says out loud (laughs) his mission statement is that of a rapist (laughs) absolutely uh which is like somehow creepier than any of the other villains on the show totally but also like it's kind of a classic scenario of a guy who loves this girl and takes her out and like she's thinking oh that's my you know he's thrown in the friend zone fully it's a friend zone episode of Batman. Yeah, how many of those are there? Uh, I mean, this might be the only one. Well, it's a great one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they did it so well that they didn't need to do it again. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were pretty much like in the office with Bruce Wayne <laughs> coming in uh, immediately. Yeah. So what? My question was: Bruce comes in there and he's like, uh, "I heard you've been working on some sort of device to make." person's smarter or stronger i don't i don't totally recall it's like some sort of mind control device and jervis doesn't is like no no it's not ready why why is 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 he just want to hide it or i mean he has been 
the device that Bruce Wayne is referring to is the device that he ends up using. Is that correct? Yeah. Or did he like somehow create the create like a different version of that thing that's maybe like I couldn't tell if he was hiding it because he was being you know creepy and knew that it was something that he wanted to hoard for himself or if he was like a weird perfectionist who was like it's not ready yet which could be the case yeah I could I guess I I could believe either either version I mean his boss was horrible to him yeah we don't get to know much about her do we nope she's just mean and she seems like the queen from Alice in Wonderland (laughs) mother from outer space down with Charlie Sheen (laughs) That was in her character description. If you read the script for Mad as a Hatter, it says, uh, Mean Green, Bad as Charlie Sheen. I already forgot what the last part of it was. Mean Green and into Charlie? I don't know. She was definitely into Charlie Sheen when she, <laughs> she was like, what? hey, by the way, Bruce, Charlie Sheen, what a hunk. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you just watched the episode. She definitely said that. So she yells at him. He's got a Mad Hatter. He's got an Alice in Wonderland poster on his wall. Yeah, it's kind of uh, fortuitous, uh, prophetic cryptic she looks at the poster there's like a moment where she comes in and she like looks at it very disparagingly and then she just like give you know like yells at him well it's also like that's so strange general i mean like is it a are we talking like a framed poster from like the illustrations from a i think it's like a lewis carroll illustration wonderland book that's just a very odd thing to have in your place of work or your home (laughs) He's decorating. He's showing what he's into. Yeah. I don't know. It, to <laughs> me, the weirdest part of it is that that's the only thing he's got. Yeah. There's nothing else. There's no hint of his personality other than one picture. I guess that... The... Uh, do you know much about the character from the comic books? A little bit. Is is he... Was that character, like, into Alice in Wonderland? I think there are different versions of him. I think originally it was just kind of like a goofy hat-themed villain. Right. Uh, and so this was at the time, at least like a more grounded take on the character. Uh, I think like he appeared in the sixties Batman show on the top of, he was like a mind control sort of character, but like the top of his hat popped down. There were like eyes that would hypnotize people, but I don't know if it was Alice in Wonderland themed. Cause he's a super fan. Yes. He's, 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 he's like, um, yeah. What, what's that? For, he's like, what, you know, he's, uh, uh, when people, dress in costume. Oh, he's like a cosplayer kind of? Yeah, I feel like he just like fully embodies the thing that he loves. Yeah, he's like early age Reddit super fan yeah. of Alice in Wonderland who happens to make mind control technology. And it's just like crushing on this girl from afar. Well, not afar. He works with her, but... Yeah, so what's their initial rea- interaction? Her boyfriend just broke up with her? Or there was something... I think it's first there to get... I think he like maybe... Oh... Does he like say something nice to her and she's like, oh, I'm so lucky to have you and my boyfriend in my life. Like, yeah. Two great men. And then what he two great men. <laughs> yeah. It's a great Alice. Uh, thank you. I, you know, I'm uh, two great men. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, David Lynch is probably going to hire us to come in, do some uh, retakes for Twin Peaks, The Return season two. Another 18 hours. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, Yeah. Kimmy Robertson's out of a job, unfortunately, because of these two great impressions of her. But what are you going to do? I'm not going to take the job. I want her to get the work. Okay. That's nice. I'm going to take the job. You son of a gun. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I mean like Charlie Sheen. And we're back. Okay, we're back. So I think, yeah, I think they're like friendly. And then she, he's he's so excited that she's nice to him. Right. And then he, the next day. 
she, she finds out he finds out that they've they've broken up. Right. She's crying about yeah. it and that they broke it off. And I think the boss is like classic male fear of commitment. <laughs> Which is like uh I'm sure you probably talk about this a lot on on your on the show uh but it is like somewhat of an adult idea totally um and true and like i meet like they're like whatever their fight was that we don't get a ton of details about it. it's like oh i could definitely imagine what that is and it's realistic that two persons could break up over like a, a conversation about the future of their relationship or commitment or something like that. Yeah, it is weird that it's in a kid's show and it's like telegraphed just enough that you can get that it's a bad thing if you're a kid and don't understand right. it, but it's kind of weird that that's in there and I, that's what I like about the show. I mean, this guy's... tiny nuggets. Just little adult nuggets. Yeah. The sub-headline of this podcast <laughs> is adult nuggets. What's crazy about this villain is that he uses his technology and dresses up so he can basically just be with this girl that he has a crush on this woman he has a crush on yeah uh like when he, the, he creates yeah. mind control technology he can do anything with it and it's so he can break up a marriage or an impending marriage but he there is somewhat of a um i feel like he has sort of an internal conflict because at one point he does like entertain the idea of just directly going for her controlling her mind, which he could do initially. Yeah. Well, and he's like, that would be wrong. You would be nothing but like a yeah. husk, which is good. Stick yeah. with that line of thinking. You'd hope. But I guess like he just, yeah, the date they go on, which he is pretty charming though. Um, <laughs> he's using, uh, he's got, he's got an advantage. Yeah. I mean, he does have everybody in town. I don't know how long it took for him to pre-plant all of those. Uh, yeah. I wonder, I was thinking, yeah. How long before the date started, did he interact with these people? So, uh, I mean, it, I have a lot of questions. Maybe I just have one main question about how this device works. So, like, let's take the, uh, there's a guard at the, is it at a restaurant or is it at the Storybook Land? There, there are people, there's a guard at the Storybook Land. He's and, like, just and close it, up when you're done, Mr. Hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, does Is that guard acting normal, like, for other people to interact with them? Is he just, like... He's doing his normal guard thing, but then when Mad Hatter comes through, like it clicks that it's like, oh, I'll do whatever this guy wants or says. I think in or the lore it, of the way the character works, they're kind of like empty, blank faced, just kind of vessels. Yeah, vessels. And maybe he gives them, you know, like a command. You can talk to you can talk to some people, but when I come back, just be ready to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, he spends like an hour yeah, explaining exactly. it. Here's how it's gonna go down. <laughs> All right, you're gonna stand here, and if a woman walks by in a scarf, say "nice scarf." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go uh, ahead, let her in. Let her, yeah. yeah, but don't let her in too long. You have to act like a normal guard. You're gonna do great. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> But I'm imagining it's just like, yeah, stand there, right. let us in, treat me nice. And I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like pretty broad. Yeah, I guess, do we ever get to see him give direction to any of these people? I think just those two thugs, the mug thugs. Uh, yeah, that's right. 
He was like, why don't you just go walk off a bridge? Yeah. But they jump in the river. Jump off a bridge or jump into a river. Is that what you said? I think he's, I think it's jumping. I had to go back because, yeah, when I heard the phrase suicide, I was like, wait, what did he tell them? I almost forgot. Yeah, what the it, fact the, that they mentioned suicide in this is yeah. also a crazy adult thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those two Streets of Rage characters that climb up a bridge <laughs> and decide to jump off. Yeah. I like, too, that they're like, uh, it just kind of was funny to me that they call him Mr. Hat because it's like, I guess his hat is pretty like peculiar, but it's not his whole vibe is, but you know, you don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know that I'd ever Why like, not Bic, like Mr. Giant smile. <laughs> yeah. Or just like asshole. <laughs> All right. Asshole. <laughs> well, that was part of his long explanation hey. to them that we didn't see that was cut out. I was like, All right, now you're going to call me Mr. Hat. <laughs> nothing more. But nothing I think less. I, I could be wrong, but I think maybe they referred him as Mr. Hat before. Oh, beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I could, I could be wrong. Ultimately, he gets, uh, he goes on that date with Alice. He dances with her and she's kind of weirded out by it, but charmed because she's, I think she's like, what a funny, weird man or what a funny, sweet man. <laughs> yeah. Which is accurate. Yep. I mean, he's the nicest way you could describe it. He's like kind of like proto steampunk or something like that. I feel like he's just like kind of like has his own specific style. uh, And uh, and I feel like if you were to interact with that person, you'd be like, "Eh, kind of weird. But I like I like him. Yeah. I mean, they're confident in their choices. They like what they like until he started, you know, brainwashing everybody. I love the so we we don't even see like Batman in the episode until he saves those guys, you know, in costume. But then uh, he arrives, I think he fights the walrus and the carpenter, like those two brainwashed guys dressed as the Alice in Wonderland characters. Well, for, yeah, so we go back to the lab, I think, yeah. and and that's where Jervis, I'm, Jervis is correct, not yes, Jarvis. Jervis. Jervis learns that she's, Alice is getting back together with her boyfriend. Right. She's like, isn't it great? And then what does he do? He like, he's holding on to flowers and he stabs himself he with the thorns. Yeah. Is that the issue? I was, I will say that one of the more suspenseful moments to me in the entire episode was in that interaction, just kind of wondering how he was going to play it off. And, uh, obviously she's got good, what to her is seeming what she thinks will be good news to him. Like, Hey, my boyfriend and I got back together and he seems like he's just going to be a total dick Mm -hmm. and just kind of walk, walk straight into his office. But he does eke out a congratulations. Yeah. It's like, congratulations. Which uh, is the second congratulations of the show. I think Bruce Wayne, when she's on the phone, she's like, I just got, like, I, I'm going to get married. He's like, congratulations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's like a very funny read of that. Right. Uh, the most wedding congratulations in any Batman episode, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. So then what he goes about, he, so then he, I guess he devises his plan to truly fuck her by any means necessary. Yeah. He kidnaps her, takes her to this park. <laughs> Uh, so we're spo- we're and we're supposed to assume we meet these like you mentioned the walrus and then what's the other guy the carpenter which is like just the big yeah which I don't I guess I I've, I've never read Alice in Wonderland so I don't know who the carpenter is I think it's just like a couple of the weird characters in yeah. there and they encounter them but that doing like that kind of like kind of gives me some hints towards what happens in storybook land so we know that there are likely. Uh, walk around costumes. Mm-hmm. Now the layout. I had. A, I, I. I was thinking a, a little bit about the layout because well, they're all like maybe uh, a lot of these guys are chilling on a like a like a life size chessboard or something like that. Yep. But in theory, those all those costumes are like hidden in some locker somewhere or something like that. Because I, I imagine these are characters 
that just walk around during the day. Yeah, I never even thought about that. I guess he stole them from Storybook Land. Yeah, I think he. I think there might be some reference, but maybe I'm I'm wrong where he says something like that. Maybe I totally imagined it. I mean, it just goes back to how how nice it is to have that place there. Yeah, real convenient, real nice. Uh, he also didn't have to go to the trouble of dressing them up, did he? No, but he's a man of you know theme. Right. Uh, he's a man of obsession. I think what I love about Mad Hatter is that he's just such a small. It's just dressing a real horrible real life villain in kind of fancy clothes. <laughs> right. But again, like I wish we I wish we had known and I guess we kind of already touched upon this like about his life a, prior, slightly prior to this, like just mm-hmm. like I I would love do we know did was he always chilling in this Mad Hatter outfit prior when he would go <laughs> right, is it like, is like going out it is is like his gear, you know. Casual Friday he comes into work dressed to the nines in a bright blue suit. You you would imagine so because when he takes her out on a date he's not doing any mind manipulation and she wasn't like this is abnormal <laughs> yeah yeah so then at this point Batman is kind of on the trail mm-hmm. I guess Bruce Wayne is yeah gone by as well as at the to the office and finds the is it the flowers with blood on them yeah he found the crumpled stuff and like the the and picture that had been pushed down yeah that's right and I think meanwhile he had. Uh, Mad Hatter had, like, surprised Alice in her house with, like, decorating. He broke into her home and just surprised her there. Yeah, it was like that scene in, uh, is it UHF? I feel like there's a scene where Weird Al, like, puts a ton of flowers in um, Victoria Jackson's room or house. But, again, this could be something that I've, I dreamt. I have never actually seen UHF. Oh, you gotta see UHF. And I feel like it was on... All the time on Comedy Central, like growing up. It's a really funny movie. Yeah. It's good. It's one of those that just slipped out of me ever watching it. I've got a lot of them them myself. There was another piece of Bruce Wayne or Batman had put something else together. I guess just he knew that that Jervis was working on similar mind technology to the computer chips that he found in the, right because uh, alfred also brings the book he's like yeah. i yeah i have a a storybook that uh has similar <laughs> right so he shows him a picture and he's like i've seen that picture somewhere <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> you know and he he puts very basic clues together but we get to see him as a detective and what's wait, what is the justification for alfred it, they're just looking at the what we think is a size card and he's like i've seen something like that i've before. seen that in a picture in a lewis carroll book from my childhood and he i think the mad hatter has a size card like that in that picture but batman didn't remember that's the most specific detective work because yeah. you I mean alfred's the detective there yeah one would imagine there were lots of size cards in hats during the publication of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. It feels like it was a normal thing. Yeah. Uh, we got we to learn more about that. We got to learn more uh, about hats. I feel like this is the big takeaway. <laughs> yeah. More hat knowledge. Hatology. Hatology? Is that the new podcast you want to do? I, I already started it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who's your first guest actually, again? And actually, you're live on Hatology. Hell right no. I'm on Hatology right now. Yep. And guess who else is here? Who else is here? Charlie Sheen <laughs> and the cartoon all-stars to the rescue. Oh, my God. And Victoria Jackson. <laughs> All my favorite celebs. <laughs> was Garfield a lamp in that? One of them was a lamp. Definitely somebody was. And yeah, I feel like it would make sense. I think Kermy was a clock, I want to say. Yeah, he was an alarm clock. His eyes like shook. Yeah, out. guys, watch Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue right now. Drop what you're doing. Stop the podcast. It's, it's great. On, it's uh, got to be on YouTube. It definitely is. Recently rewatched it. 
it's great. You did? Yeah. I feel like it's a once a year thing or at sure. least like a clip where you're like, oh, you haven't seen this? I loved it because at my local blockbuster and Amir Mesa Boulevard, San Diego, California, there was a, a section in the blockbuster video that was in essence, I, I don't know what the name of this section was or how they categorize these films, but they were, and they were free. They're usually like instructional videos or in this case, like PSAs. Mm -hmm. And so I was always allowed that, that, that was just like an extra video I could always get on top of what I was already renting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember they gave them away at McDonald's. That's how we got them. Did you own one? Yeah. <sighs> and I don't have it anymore and I'm so bummed. <laughs> well, that, yeah, I, Going, I guess we're going slightly off topic, but uh, I, I searched for that video for a while, and then our f f uh, mutual friend, uh, Nick Rutherford, who went to USC with us, uh, I think he either bought it for me or we found it together on, maybe on eBay, but it was without the cover. It was wonderful to own it, but uh, but I feel like we probably at that time paid like 18 bucks or something like that for this coverless cartoon, All Stars to the Rescue. And then... I feel like four or five years later, I found it for 50 cents at Amoeba. It's the that's, best. That's how, that's how it goes. Now you got two copies. <sighs> yeah, the man with the golden tapes. I'm fucking on fire, baby. I mean, what do you think, Victoria? Mm, a great <laughs> flick. Cool. Thank you, real Victoria Jackson. <laughs> so yeah, so, so, there, so now at this point, we're basically at Batman's confronting Mad Hatter. Right. It's like that chessboard battle with Ala. He, he's kind of like in front of that he's at a table and kind of controlling things and my, Batman's my favorite moment from this was when he manages to get off the boyfriend's little uh size card or mm -hmm. chip i don't know what i want to call it size chip he goes like uh and he's still being attacked by these other drones or mind controlled people uh he's like hey um you've got to take care of them because they're programmed to come after me and her boyfriend's just like, all right, gotcha. <laughs> Thanks, man. And he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> that was so fluidly done. Like, He's immediately he's a like, hero. He doesn't. Immediately a hero. Immediately like sucked into like what is kind of like a very scary situation. I mean, it's a, it's a nightmare. It's a yeah. literal nightmare. It's <laughs> wakes up. I think there was a bunch of smoke at the time. Right. Uh, this man wakes up in like a weird nightmarish fantasy world surrounded by people that are probably familiar to him but dressed differently it was such a an informal exchange you got this buddy <laughs> which led me to believe like i get i mean are people constantly put into these situations in gotham city is that i there thing? must be a heightened sense of heroics right <laughs> if there are that many people running around doing crazy things Everybody's probably like, I'm going to be my own Batman today. Yeah, he was, the boyfriend was for sure my favorite character. I mean, he, <laughs> he was like, worth it. It's, I'm glad she ended up with him. Uh, I really liked that a lot. He's definitely like kind of a bro, but he's also super nice. Yeah, he, he's a nice dude. He said, babe, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And surprised her with some flowers. Um, and it ends with a maze too. Like Batman's running through yeah, a maze of fun. cards. Uh, Again, I, I th this was what kept me excited was learning more and more about about, about Storybook Land mm -hmm. and the attractions there. Yeah, I wish we got to see some rides too. My yeah. favorite anything is a fictional theme park. Totally, I would love to see like there. It's a small world ride, right? And see Batman fight on that. Uh, we also just don't know what other. I'm I'm imagining it was called Storybook Land. I think that's what it said. I think I it was. Could yeah. Be wrong. 
I think but it was in, based on a Chicago Wizard of Oz park. Oh, really? Have. Well, I, in theory, there should be other storybook land, like lands within it. For the sake of the of the episode, I agree. The twenty-two minutes, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the sake of my enjoyment, would have loved to have spent. I want to know a lot about there. it. Uh, Batman climbs over a bunch of cards. He's like, fuck this. <laughs> I don't need to run through a maze. Yeah. I like to, when the, when a card comes to slam onto Batman, there's a, whatever sound effect they used, you, it, you can tell that these are probably metal cards. Yeah. Which seems pretty dangerous for the yeah. general public. Totally. Based on how hard it was slamming. Like that's yeah. going to slice off a limb. Yeah. That was, that was frightening. Uh, and then, you know. He wins in the end. He he traps the Hatter, uh, and it's real sad. Yeah, we don't know what happens to the Hatter, do we? No, I mean, eventually he has a couple more episodes. He's like one of the sad... I mean, all the Batman villains are pretty sad, but he ends up... Uh, one of the episodes he comes back in, he creates a fictional reality for Batman where Bruce Wayne's parents never died. So he traps him in a dream and Batman fights his way out by killing himself in the dream. And, you know, he's like, I gave you everything you wanted just so you'd leave me alone. <laughs> wow. Uh, and still, you is couldn't that do that? Is that, a, is that a bona fide classic or a weird one? I think How it's a we... bona fide classic. Okay. Per chance sounds to dream, baby. Cool. Per chance to dream? Yep. Gotta check it out. It's good. I'm uh, definitely like a Mad Hatter Batman animated series completest, so I'll be oh, Well, then you gotta check out the worry episodes. dogs. <laughs> The, the wor worry men. I want them all, baby. D were you, um, I, don't, I don't know if sad is the right word, but were you affected at all by Batman grabbing the uh, the mind control device that's underneath uh, Mad Hatter's hat? Mm -hmm. He just kind of crushes it. My thought was like, one, how long did it take Jervis to create that? Two, is it easy for him to just to create one, another one immediately? Uh, and three... Where's mine? <laughs> hey, Victoria, what do you think? Uh, what? <laughs> she can't. She Victoria's couldn't. napping in a corner right now. Uh, I wasn't really sad, but Does I that feel make like, you very sad. I mean, it's definitely sad that a man's life work was crushed sure. in a second. I feel like Batman's the kind of uh, hero that's like, rather than have it go in the wrong hands, it's like I'm gonna yeah, destroy no, this. It was. It was. Uh, responsible, though I, I feel like that's not something like that should be turned over to the uh, proper authorities. Yeah, clearly was able to make more because he shows up two more times and does the Did, same thing. Okay, so that so that answers that question. Yeah. Okay. They just got to keep him in because you mentioned Arkham this. Asylum. You, me you mentioned this dream thing, and I thought like, oh well, that's a to seems like a totally different. device. That is kind of a different device than that one. But then he comes back and he kind of goes at it again in that Worry Men episode where he, he tricks rich people into like uh, he steal he has like a big you know, money-making scheme where, like, he tricks them into buying little worry dolls in a South American country uh, and put them under their pillow. And so then it kind of, like, affects their brainwaves at night, and then they give him money. Damn, he is a full-on hustler. Yeah. I mean, they called him the Mad Hustler back in Arkham, baby. <laughs> and more trivia I didn't know. Yeah, definitely real trivia. <laughs> well, you have a movie coming out. You star in it. You wrote it. I co-wrote it. Co-wrote it. Yeah. Uh, it's called Brigsby Bear. You got it. And Mark Hamill plays your dad in, in it? Yeah. Kind of? Uh, yeah. Um, he's in it. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? He, well, do you know that he's the, jo he's the voice of the Joker? Yes, I do. <laughs> 
Uh, it was great. The role that he plays is this guy named Ted, and I, I don't want to give too much away because it's it's kind of fun to go in there with with some mystery. But yeah, in essence, Ted's like my dad, and uh, and it's supposed to be kind of like this weird sort of genius character, um, and we wanted somebody who you just wouldn't like normally think. You just like somebody that doesn't come straight to your mind when you're like trying to cast somebody or 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 a kind of um eccentric type person and we also incidentally needed somebody who could manipulate their voice um and so after a long time of trying to figure out who that person was at some point i don't know how it came but uh, i think going thinking about the voice first was like well mark hamill obviously is a prolific voice actor um, and uh, I pitched that to Dave McCary, who directed the movies, my friend. And uh, he's, oh yeah, that's great. Uh, and it, it works on multiple levels because the movie has a lot to do with nostalgia and and fandom. And like you know, what better person than Luke yeah. Skywalker to uh, kind of embody that? Yeah. What was that like? I mean, I remember you were into Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, was that like a weird dream come true? Or yeah, it's it? always, it's, yeah, it's weird. It's surreal. You know, you don't know. I mean, I, I definitely was super into Star Wars as a kid and, and collected, you know, I feel like I'd like to say I was into it before, like not on the ground level, cause I wasn't alive when Return of the Jedi came out, but you know, before I feel like collecting vintage figurines and stuff became a massive thing. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, I was saying that I was at the Comic-Con in 91. I was probably like seven years old. And I would be buying, like, Return of the Jedi action figures still in the box. And at that point, you know, they're probably, like, seven bucks, eight, ten bucks or something like that. I don't know how much. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're not worth that much now. I don't, I don't really know. But I, I kind of always had that sort of collector's uh, mentality. And, uh, and so, yeah, I really, I really love Star Wars. I'm not as obsessive these days as some people. Mm-hmm. But certainly it was like a really kind of a hallmark of my childhood. And so it was crazy working with him. Feels like a cool full circle moment. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I yeah. worked with like a bunch of cool people, but like they're, I imagine, specific people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had the thought today that um, Star Wars was probably one of those movies. I remember picking it out at Primetime Video, I think, the other video store. Uh, based on just the cover, I didn't know anything about it. Hmm. And I might've actually picked out Return of the Jedi first and watched that at home. And I, and I fell in love with it. And I think it was one of those movies that kind of made me, yeah, fall in love with movies. And, and like, I remember my dad kind of explaining to me that this guy, George Lucas was the director and kind of wrapping my head around what that meant. Though later on in life, I learned that he only directed A New Hope of that initial trilogy. So it was cool. I mean, like, it's one of those things, like, you don't even... How do you approach somebody like that who's... I mean, he also... He's touched so many lives. Right. It's not, I'm not going to say anything new. And he's a person, but fun to hang with. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he's super immersed in pop culture and 
kind of nerddom. Yeah, he seems like a true will. nerd of a guy himself. Yeah, he's into collecting toys and comics, and he has a pretty encyclop- uh, encyclopedic knowledge of pop culture and, and things like that. Yeah, and and like you know, we we had probably three days of shooting together. Oh man, and it definitely like creeped up like the comfort of so how was when you were wearing star wars no big deal uh (laughs) Uh, and then like trying to get whatever hints we could about the new movie and he was great he's he's such a wonderful person did he spoil everything for you uh he told i i I don't know if i was here for this but my or or my co-writer kevin costello apparently kevin he told kevin something like I can spoil the whole series for you in five words and I'm not going to do it right now. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't, he didn't No, He, 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 that's what he said. I don't know. Um, so no, I don't know what's going to happen, but isn't there, isn't there a guy, isn't there rumors now that he like doesn't, didn't like the direction that it was taken in? Do oh, I don't that? know. I haven't no. followed up on the star Wars rumors. There's some good ones. Got to check it out. Uh, come to the Rumor Zone, which is the podcast we'll be recording next. Uh, me and Victoria Hat-ology. Jackson. I mean, Hatology is going on right now. This is Hatology. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for having me on Hatology, Kyle. Thank you for being here. And I wanted to say again, really great hats. Hey, thanks. That's how I sign off all my... Hey, really great hats. No, Justin, that's my line. Oh, shoot. Really great bats. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's another episode of the show. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Follow the podcast on Twitter at BTAS Podcast and me at Hey Justin. Follow Feral Audio at Feral Audio. Donate to the show at patreon.com slash BTAS Podcast. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted and made by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of the podcast. Andrew Seeley is our show producer. Matt Brousseau edited this episode. Brendan Lynch-Salomon recorded this interview, as well as engineered a lot of other stuff, and Yusong Liu helped coordinate. Thanks again to Kyle Mooney for popping by while he was in L.A., and a huge thank you to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who, I don't know how he did it, he carved it out of his busy schedule. He came over from New York, or Chicago or wherever he is I don't know where he lives and I found him drenched head to toe at my doorstep saying Mr. Hat told us to jump in the river Tori you know I'm, I'm worried about you so tune in next Tuesday guys for the second part of our Mad as a Hatter coverage with an interview with Batman guru and Harley Quinn creator Paul Dini <laughs>